Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Fourth phase week two review episode coming up for you. We'll start things off here in a moment with the all-out blitz, and then we'll finish with our pick six and uh, talk about the uh, the six games that we chose to feature. Uh, looks like I didn't make a bad choice uh, this week as far as games to uh, kind of uh, focus on. San Francisco and L.A., Kansas City and Jacksonville, even though that was kind of a turnover fest there uh, for a while. Lots of penalties and mistakes uh, from two playoff teams. Uh, from last year, still a kind of an exciting football game, a one-score game. The Chargers and the Titans went to went to overtime. Seattle and Detroit went to overtime. Baltimore, Cincinnati, kind of came down to the end, and uh, Green Bay and Atlanta featured a fourth-quarter comeback by the Falcons. Uh, the only bad thing that happened was uh, I did not do well with the pick six games again for the second week in a row. I. Uh, where I went winless last week, some progress was made this week. I went a whopping two and four with the pick six games uh, this week. Thankfully, I did much much better with the rest of the uh, with the rest of the schedule. So uh, let's go ahead and and uh, we'll get the show started here. This is the week two review episode of the fourth phase. So let's get down to business. Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Welcome back to the fourth phase, guys. So happy to have you all here with us. I've been enjoying the new format of the show uh, thus far. Um, I want to make an apology to you guys real quick. Um in, in the, the whirlwind of getting these shows done and everything, I keep forgetting to update you guys on the standings uh, for the Pick'em game that, uh, that we're playing. Um, 25 people signed up, and it looks like uh, 22 of you are actually playing uh, the game. So that's uh, a great turnout uh, for me. And uh, very happy with the, the way things are going. Well, not so much with my picks uh, or anything, but... Uh, I had a much better week two uh, this week um, with the uh, with my uh, with my points and everything. Last week, I it seemed like the games that I got right were all of my lower point games, as opposed to this week where I got my sixteen point game right, my fifteen point game right, and uh, and all that kind of stuff. When the when the points and everything are finalized, I will do that on the preview episode for week number three on Thursday. So I will remember it and make sure I put it in my notes for the show to take a moment to talk about the standings at some point on the show to, uh, you know, give credit where credit is due for, for those of you that are 
I was in 15th place after week one, so 14 of you are kicking my ass right now. And uh, we'll see how things change after week two uh, is completely tabulated. But uh, I did much better than the uh, seven and nine that I was uh, last week. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, well, I'll definitely take a moment out next week or, you know, for the pre- three preview on Thursday to, uh, to talk about the standings, who's doing what, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So that, uh, if that works for you, I want to apologize for kind of neglecting that. I went through a lot to, uh, you know, went through a lot of trouble to, to get the league set up and get it out there. You guys did a great job responding and signing up. I got more people to sign up than I actually thought that I would. So I'm playing with a lot more of you guys than I thought would actually uh, do it. And, uh, so I want to, uh, reward you for, uh, not only for how you're playing, but the fact that you're playing at all, I, re- I greatly uh, appreciate it. In fact, um, thinking about throwing in a prize if the winner isn't me. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and get this started, guys. Uh, let's go ahead and dive right in. It's time for the All Out Blitz. We start our All Out Blitz in Philadelphia where the Eagles were uh, hanging their banner and for the second week in a row, Philly gets off to a strong start, leading 27-7 in the third quarter. Jalen Hurts runs for two TDs, throws for another. The Vikings make a late push, but DeAndre Swift's fourth quarter touchdown secures a 2-0 start for the Eagles, 34-28. Las Vegas headed out to Buffalo to take on the Bills. The game was back and forth early on, but Khalil Shakir's 11-yard touchdown catch gave Buffalo a 21-10 lead at the half, and they never looked back. Josh Allen bounces back from last week's loss in a very big way, going 31 of 37 for 274 and three touchdowns as the Bills roll 38 to 20 over the Raiders. <laughs> My beloved Chicago Bears are wearing the worst uniform combo in all of football with orange helmets and orange jerseys, and the Bears and Justin Fields could not generate any consistency on offense after an opening drive TD. The Bears' defense makes Baker Mayfield look like the second coming of a young Brett Favre as he went 26 of 34 for 317 and a touchdown, dodging sacks and making crazy throws in the process. It's almost time for the panic button in Chicago as the Bucks go 2-0 with a 27-17 win over my Bears. The Colts coming off of a uh, close loss to the Jaguars last week Heading to Houston for their second divisional matchup, Anthony Richardson left the game with a concussion, but not until he scored two touchdowns in the first quarter but and opened up the floodgates for a 28-10 halftime lead for the Colts. Gardner Minshew comes in in relief and goes 19 for 23 of 471 yards and a touchdown as the Colts cruise in Houston 31-20 over the Texans. <laughs> Giants and Cardinals. Giant fans were sizing themselves up for nooses when the Cardinals took a 20-0 lead into halftime. But in a tale of two halves, the Giants scored 31 points in the second half to pull their fan base off the ledge and rebound for a 31-20 win over the Cardinals. (laughs) Dak Prescott goes 31 of 38 for 255 and two touchdowns, 143 of which of which went to CeeDee Lamb as the Cowboys take on the Jets. Zach Zach Wilson confirms everyone's greatest fears with three interceptions in his first start after Aaron Rodgers' injury. Cowboys roll over the Jets (laughs) 30-10. 
in Mile High, Denver and the Commanders go blow for blow in Week Two's game of the week as Sam Howell and Russell Wilson each throw for 300 yards and multiple TDs. Game had a crazy finish as a three times tipped pass is caught for a Hail Mary touchdown to get the Broncos within two, but the the commanders hold on a two-point conversion where the refs missed a pass interference call and hang on for the 35-33 win over the Broncos. (laughs) On Sunday night football, after 466 yards against the Chargers last week, Tua and the Dolphins come down to earth a little with only 249 yards passing this week. Tyreek Hill only had 40 yards through the air, but had a touchdown after 215 yards last week. The the star for Miami was Raheem Mostert on the ground with 18 carries for 121 yards and two touchdowns as Tua is now 5-0 versus Belichick and the Patriots as the Dolphins win 24-17 in Foxborough. (laughs) On Monday Night Football, New Orleans and Carolina. Bryce Young's pro debut was ruined by division rival Atlanta, and now his home debut was ruined by another division rival in the Saints when they came to town to this, this evening. Saints running back Tony Jones Jr. scored twice in the second half as the Saints aren't impressing anyone but have done just enough to be 2-0 with a 20-17 win over the Panthers. <laughs> and in the Week 2 finale, Cleveland was at Pittsburgh. A 71-yard pass from uh, Kenny Pickett to George Pickens was about all the offense that the Steelers could muster, but they didn't need much else because the defense scored twice on a pick six and a fumble scoop and score, and kicker Chris Boswell covered the rest as the Steelers beat the Browns on Monday night, 26-22. to <laughs> So there you have it, guys, the all-out blitz, and one big thing coming out of that Cleveland game, Nick Chubb had a knee injury that they believe is significant. They may have lost him for the season. That is going to hurt. Not only did it hurt Cleveland tonight, it could hurt them for the rest of the season if that knee injury is as bad as some people uh, suspect. So keep an eye on that, and uh, hopefully we'll have more of an update on Thursday when we preview week number three. So there you have it for the all-out blitz, guys. Let's go ahead and dive into the guts of it. It's the main event it's the pick six. Pick six for week number two on the fourth phase. We start in Atlanta where the Falcons at home for the second week in a row to start off the year hosting the Green Bay Packers this time. Packers missing Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, and Christian Watson. Um, Aaron Jones, uh, you know, a uh, injured his hamstring running for a touchdown against the Bears last Sunday, so screw him. But uh, Bakhtiari, Christian Watson, or Bakhtiari, I know the guy's name, uh, has had a lingering knee issue. Sometimes he's good to go, sometimes he can't. This past Sunday was one of those days, and Christian Watson still uh, lingering the hamstring injury that kept him out of week one against the Bears. So he has yet to make his 2023 debut. Uh, first half, this is a running theme that you will hear throughout a lot of these football games, especially in the pick six. First half was back and forth. Uh, each team scoring a touchdown and a field goal, the difference being uh, Young Hoku missed his extra point, giving the Packers a 10-9 to lead at the half. Would that be something that would come back to haunt the Falcons like it did last, year, uh, last week with the, uh, with the Broncos? Missing that extra point, that one, that one point they didn't get was the difference between, win, or, you know, sending it to overtime or losing to the Raiders last week. 
Uh, but the second half is where the Packers looked like they were going to run away with this thing, uh, winning the third quarter 14-3, to taking a 24-12 to lead into the fourth quarter. But in a show of perseverance, showing a, a well-coached football team by Arthur Smith, the Falcons won the fourth quarter with a Desmond Ritter touchdown run and two more field goals from Young Hoku, the last one coming with 57 seconds left in the game to give the Falcons a 25-24 to lead. Uh, completing the uh, comeback. And uh, Love and Company had a chance to uh, to try to take it down, to kick a game-winning field goal, but uh, the comeback was uh, not to be as uh, they uh, fall short and turn the ball over on downs to fall to 1-1 one and one on this one. The Falcons improved to 2-0. To and oh. Now, the interesting thing about this is that if you go back and you look at the stats, the Falcons, for for lack of a better phrase, dominated this game. They won basically everywhere. Uh, they had like ten more first downs than the yeah twenty seven to seventeen on first downs. They were better on third down, six of fifteen to three for nine uh, for the Packers. So a better percentage uh, converting third downs. They were three of four on fourth down for Pete's sake. Uh, they they ran seventy eight plays to only forty seven. For the Packers, 446 total yards, only gave up 224 uh, to Green Bay. Uh, Desmond Ritter outgunned um, Jordan Love, 235 to 140. Uh, 211 rushing yards for the Falcons to only 84. Granted, they were missing Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones, but still. The only place that the Falcons lost the game was uh, in penalties. The Packers had more penalties, but the, the Falcons had way more penalty yards. 110 penalty yards on six penalties versus only 40 yards for the Packers. And they had one turnover. It was a Desmond Ritter interception. Not really Ritter's fault. It was more of a play that the Packers made where his arm got hit as he was releasing and it sailed up in the air, got picked off by uh, Razul Douglas. But uh, they won time of possession by almost uh, 13 minutes uh, in this one, and yet they only came away with a one-point victory. So got to give kudos to Green Bay. I mean, they first of all, they looked like they were about to run away uh, with this thing, and you give kudos to Atlanta for sticking it out and, and uh, really taking it over in the fourth quarter, showing once again you got to play 60 minutes in order to win a ball game these days uh, in the NFL. You can't necessarily getting away, get away with it by taking off a quarter uh, or anything like that. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of curious. Even after watching... The uh, granted it was a condensed version, but even after watching the highlights of the game, I didn't really get a sense for why it was the Falcons seemed to dominate the game. They had the ball for almost 40 more plays than the uh, or 31 plays more than the Packers, 13 and a half minutes of time of possession uh, advantage, and yet they had to squeak out a one point win uh, over over Green Bay. It, it makes you wonder. I mean. One of those penalties in that 110 yards was actually a huge pass interference uh, call that set up a touchdown uh, for Green Bay. So, I mean, it was mistakes like that that I guess kind of hurt the Falcons and kept the Green Bay in it or, or, or you know, however you want to look at it. So, uh, you know, Jordan Love had three touchdown passes again, so he's got six in his first two games as a starter, but only 151 yards passing on 14 of 25. So he wasn't as efficient uh, as he was last week against the Bears, I don't know if if that's uh, 
if that's a slight on the defense or if uh, this was just love coming back down to reality. Time will tell there. Uh, B.J. Robin, B. B. John Robinson, excuse me, did not score uh, this week. He had a touchdown last week against the Panthers. Uh, he didn't score, but he was still extremely productive. 19 carries, 124 yards, and he caught four passes out of the backfield for 48 yards uh, on this one. Helped the Falcons, like I said, come back, especially late. Because I think at halftime he had like six carries for 38 yards or something like that. Finished with 19 carries for a buck 24. That's a hell of a productive day. And he was solid uh, in the second half. So, uh, you know, the Falcons might be on to something here. Got a decent test. They're going on the road to take on the Lions uh, next Sunday. Uh, the Packers, I believe, go home finally to have their home debut against the Saints uh, next week uh, as well. So we picked the Packers on this one. Got the pick wrong. Not that I'm unhappy about it, but, uh, you know, I did get the pick wrong to uh, start the week off uh, 0-1 with our pick six. Now we move on to Cincinnati where uh, the Bengals coming off a hugely disappointing loss to Cleveland where they were utterly dominated. Joe Burrow, 82 yards passing uh, in the game uh, last week against the Browns, the Cincinnati could only muster one field goal as far as points uh, in that game against the Browns and, and, and looking to improve greatly on that. Not only were they not at home, you know, but they were facing a familiar foe in the Ravens, uh, a team that they've been getting the better of for the, for the most part uh, the last several years. I mean, they split the series with them last year, uh, but I think they, they, uh, they swept them in 2021. And it's been more of a, more of Cincinnati's uh, series in the last few years. So, again, like I said, first half of the game was tight. Uh, the Ravens took the opening drive of the game 75 yards and capped it off with a one-yard Gus Edwards touchdown. Uh, the Bengals scored their first touchdown of the season in the second quarter, but it still didn't come from the offense as uh, rookie punt returner Charlie Jones ran a punt back 81 yards to tie the game at seven in the second quarter. Uh, the Bengals almost scored their first touchdown on offense on their very next drive, uh, but Jamar Chase couldn't hang on uh, to the ball thanks to some great defense uh, from uh, the Ravens uh, defender. Got his hand in there and, and uh, kind of knocked it out of uh, Chase's hand, so the Bengals had to settle for a field goal uh, to make it 10-10, to and uh, the Ravens closed out the scoring in the first half with Justin Tucker's second field goal of the half from 40 yards out, 13-10. to at the half. So, like I said, that's the theme for these pick six games is that the first half was pretty much neck and neck. It was either really close or it was actually tied uh, going into the, uh, into the half. But, again, in the second half, Cincinnati looked like they were getting in the end zone on their first drive only to have Joe Pearl picked off at the goal line. Cincinnati was in the red zone, makes a throw across the middle, didn't see the safety. He comes in, snags it out of the air, turns – the Bengals away, and it actually ended up being a 14-point swing because what would have been a touchdown drive for the Bengals turns out to be a touchdown drive for the Ravens. So instead of being down by four, they're up by 10 when uh, Jackson hit uh, Mark Edwards for a touchdown to make it 20-10, to 10. and it, it was a lead that Cincinnati never really recovered from. Um, they did finally get their first uh, offensive touchdown with about three minutes to go in the third quarter, so they... They almost went seven full quarters without an uh, without the offense that's got Burrow, T. Higgins, uh, Joe Mixon, and, and Jamar Chase 
almost seven full quarters without an, uh, an offensive touchdown. Uh, but Higgins and Burrow hooked up for a touchdown to from three yards out to make it 20 to 17. And then the Ravens came right back, very next drive, 12 play drive that ended with Jackson hitting Nelson Aguilar, of all people, his first year as a Raven, his first touchdown as a Raven from 17 yards out to make it 27 to 17. Higgins and Burrow hooked up one more time to make it 27 24 with 3.28 to go in the game. But when they kicked it off to the Ravens, the Ravens would not give the ball back. They ran out. They got a couple first downs. They ran out the clock to take the win over uh, the Bengals. A big AFC North win. So I don't know if this is just an omen or if this is just how Cincinnati likes to do business because they started 0-2 last season. They were 0-3 in the division before they came back and won the damn thing uh, last year. And here they are, two games, two AFC North uh, games, two AFC North losses uh, for the Bengals. They dropped to 0-2. The Ravens, after beating Houston last week, get the win and improve to 2-0. I picked Cincinnati and got it wrong. So, you know, again, I don't know if people are catching on to what's going on with, with Cincinnati, or at least offensively anyway. But um, they just aren't getting it done the same way uh, on offense. They're nowhere near as productive. Burrow 27 of 41, so a lot of incomplete passes there. Uh, only 222 yards, had the two touchdowns, but threw, in, threw that, that killer interception at the start of the second half. Uh, the one that, you know, the Bengals were driving. They looked good. It looks like they were going to take the lead to start the second half. And instead, Burrow throws the interception that Baltimore then, in, uh, you know, in turn turned into a touchdown to basically give themselves a lead that they wouldn't surrender uh, and that would help them, uh, you know, win the game. Uh, Joe Mixon, 59 yards on 13 carries, so four and a half yards a, a carry. It's a pretty good average uh, there. T. Higgins, uh, you know, 89 yards on, on eight catches after going zero catches on eight targets against the Browns uh, last week. Uh, Jamar Chase was uh, a little less productive today or yesterday, five catches, 31 yards uh, for him. But, uh, you know, Tyler Boyd in six catches, 52 yards, so it, you know, he's spreading it around uh, a little bit. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 237 yards on 24 of 33, so a far more efficient day. Two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, they never sacked um, uh, Jackson on this day. Uh, Gus Edwards, 10 carries, 62 yards. 6.2 yards of carry is pretty damn good. Uh, and the touchdown to start off the uh, game. Lamar Jackson added 54 yards of uh, rushing uh, to the totals uh, there as well. Nelson Aguilar was the leading receiver for Baltimore in this one. 63 yards on five catches and that 17-yard uh, touchdown uh, to give them the uh, to give them the lead there. And um, you know, it, it, it's just like, I, I just wonder what's going on uh, with the Bengals because they're not uh, as productive as they've uh, as they've been. You know, usually the games that they would that lose, um, Joe Burrow's still getting his 300 yards. And, uh, you know, and, and it just maybe it is they somebody cracked the code on the Bengals during the offseason, or this is just another slow Bengals start because the Ravens had 415 yards of total offense to only 282 uh, for the Bengals uh, in this one. You know, it was the, 
the the one turnover that like it's not like they're getting killing themselves with penalties. They only had five for thirty yards total uh, in the game. The Baltimore, or excuse me, the the, the Bengals did. the The Ravens didn't dominate time of possession, thirty three to twenty six. It's about what you see in 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 most games. But you know, two hundred thirty seven yards passing to only two sixteen for the Bengals. One hundred seventy eight yards rushing for the Ravens to only sixty six. Uh, for the Bengals, so I mean, it's just they're just not getting it done, and uh, you know, the, finishing the the drive like that interception was killer. It was only one real mistake because they didn't fumble the ball or, or anything like that. There were no other turnovers or like game changing penalties uh, in the game, but that one mistake was was murderous for them, especially since Baltimore took it back and scored a touchdown uh, of their own. So, you know, the the Ravens are. Uh, the Ravens are out there getting it done. They're off to a 2-0 and start. They got the, the division win over the, the Bengals, so they got the head-to-head going over there. Uh, Zay Flowers, their first-round pick, at wide receiver, four catches, 62 yards in this one, is turning out to be a, a little bit of a beast so far and, and making people wonder how it was he was still at, on the board at 22 when the Ravens were picking in the first round for how productive he's been in his first two NFL games uh, for him. And uh, after a shaky performance against the Texans last week, Lamar Jackson bouncing back, 24 of 33, very efficient uh, versus last week where he was like 15 of 31 or something uh, like that, two interceptions, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but no interceptions, uh, no fumbles uh, this week, and uh, 237 and two touchdowns was enough to give the Ravens the win over the rival Bengals, making me 0-2 in the pick six because, of course, I picked the home team. Going on to Detroit, another back-and-forth battle in sold-out Ford Field for the Lions' home opener. Here they are in front of their home people for the first time since beating Kansas City on the road in the uh, kickoff game last Thursday. So people very excited to see the team up close and personal and, uh, you know, seeing if they could just – if this was the start of something special – and uh, you know, looking at the uh, at the game, it was uh, you know, like I said, a back and forth affair. Uh, you know, Seattle looking to bounce back from a disastrous, not so much from a disastrous week one performance, but really from a disastrous second half, because they were winning at halftime, thirteen to seven, over the Rams, but they lost the second half, twenty three to nothing, to lose that uh, you know thirty to thirteen game at home. Uh, against the Rams. So here they were on the road against what what many consider to be one of the hottest teams in the NFL, if you can be considered hot this early in the season. But a team that won, what, 8 out of 10 to close out the year last year, beat the world champs on their own field to start the season. Not exactly a team that I would want to play right about now, not after the way that we played the week before. Uh, But instead, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, they came in and they came to play. And the, uh, the first half is where all the fireworks where the Lions had a 14 to 7 lead uh, at halftime and it the it's, like I said it's the second half where all the the magic took place um, one of the things that kind of got kicked off the same thing as the the Lions and the Chiefs the week before was like it really was a pick six that got this thing started uh, in the fourth quarter I mean the um, they came out and um, started out with a um, field goal or uh, actually it was a touchdown 
to uh, to make the score uh, twenty four to uh, twenty one. Uh, the 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 Seahawks had just taken the lead to go up twenty four to twenty one, and then a a pick six for the Seahawks. Uh, Jared Goff was uh, was in uh, throwing a pass to uh, Jameer Gibbs, who was coming out of the backfield, playing for the injured David Montgomery had a, th- a thigh injury that's actually going to keep him out uh, a couple of weeks. So for everyone that was calling for Jameer Gibbs uh, after the way he was playing against the Chiefs, you're going to get your wish at least for the next two weeks. Uh, but he did a uh, one of those in routes coming out of the backfield, and I think Jared Goff was expecting him to sit on the route, and instead he kept running towards the center of the field. Goff threw it behind him right into the waiting arms uh, of the uh, Seattle defender who ran it back for a touchdown to make it 31-21 to with eight minutes to go in the game for the Seahawks. Uh, the Lions did respond with a 10-play, 75-yard drive that finished off with a Goff to Josh Reynolds touchdown pass to make it 34-28. to And... Um, Seattle had to hold the ball for the final three minutes to win, but couldn't pull it off. And after a very ugly sack that Geno Smith took, where it was one of those things where he just kept digging himself a deeper hole, trying to get himself free. And instead of throwing the ball away and living to fight another down, he ends up getting sacked inside the five-yard law, a five-yard line of representing a 17-yard loss on the play, which was just making things easier for the Lions when they got the ball back after the punt. And sure enough, as time expired, uh, Riley Patterson, the kicker for Detroit, hits from 38 to send the game into overtime. Now, if that wasn't exciting enough, that a 14-7 game finished at 31-31, where the home team came back from 10 down with eight minutes to go, uh, (laughs) overtime was even more exciting because Seattle got the football, And uh, while I will give them credit for the drive they put together, I will say they got lucky on the end. Not with the touchdown pass from Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, but the fact that on that final play, they got away with a holding call on Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Offensive tackle uh, was getting beat around the edge, had his arm around, uh, you know, was that thing where his... He's got his his arm on the outside shoulder, so he's basically got his arm wrapped around Aiden Hutchinson's throat. That gets called as a holding penalty nine times out of ten. Well, this was the tenth time. They didn't call it. Uh, Smith hits uh, Tyler Lockett for like a four-yard touchdown, and it, it's a walk-off because overtime rules, if you score a touchdown, ball game's over. And sure enough, they didn't call the penalty. There's no way to review these kind of things. The touchdown counts. The loss goes on on the Lions' record, and the Seahawks avoid an 0-2 hole, getting a big win on the road over the Lions, 37-31, making me 0-3 in the pick six. So, yeah, off to a banging start uh, with this. But, you know, it was it was another really good-looking game, especially, and it showed that the Lions are not going to be an easy out for anybody, you know. It also showed that that the second half was kind of a fluke uh, for the Seahawks uh, last week, the, where they were just completely inept and totally dominated uh, by the Rams uh, last week. They were in this thing from the beginning, delivering one punch after another, answering this, that, and the other uh, from the Lions. 
Uh, Geno Smith, 32 of 41, so only nine incompletions for the entire game, 328 yards, two touchdowns. The the one lousy sack where he just sort of thrown it away uh, in, in that one. Uh, the Lions were a lot better against the run uh, in this one because they got carved up in the running game last week. It was something that absolutely killed them in that uh, 48-45 shootout they had with the Seahawks uh, last year. Only 82 yards rushing uh, this week. Uh, against the uh, against the Seahawks, so or allowed to the Seahawks, I should say, um, you know. So like DK Metcalf had his catches. Tyler Lockett with two touchdown catches in this one, fifty nine yards on eight receiving, or eight or eight uh, eight catches, I should say. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown six catches, hundred two yards for the um, Lions. Josh Reynolds uh, two of uh, Jared Goff's three touchdown passes. And this one, Khalif Raymond with the other one on a beautiful flea flicker. Guy was wide open. Uh, got the rookie Witherspoon looking in the backfield on that one. Hit him right over the top. It was pitch and catch. It was as easy as it gets. You know, that's that's how the flea flicker is supposed to work. You know, when uh, when it works perfect, your guy's wide open just waiting for the ball, and Khalif Raymond was just waiting for the ball. Uh, it was a beautifully set up uh, play. Uh, before he got hurt, David Montgomery, 16 carries for 67 yards, 4.2 yards a carry, and a touchdown, which is basically what he did for us when he was wearing a bear uniform. So nice to see he's not falling off, but sad to see he's already gotten hurt. Um, usually he waits for midseason to do that. Um, but uh, they were the, the, the uh, Lions did only have the one sack from Anzalone. He was the one that kind of came in and sacked Geno Smith on that big 17-yard loss in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, they weren't putting as much pressure on Smith as they did on Mahomes the week before. Aiden, having, Aiden Hutchinson had seven pressures all by himself last week against Kansas City. Didn't really see that against the Seahawks, which is a credit to their offensive uh, offensive line. And, uh, you know, looks like the, uh, like the Seahawks have uh, bounced back. And, and I don't think this is an indictment on the Lions – uh, at all, it just, uh, I mean, they were down 10, they came back, sent it to overtime, and it was one of those games where they gave up the touchdown so they didn't get a chance to uh, answer. This is not a playoff game, so a touchdown ends it, whereas they would have had a chance to respond was the, if this were, in fact, the uh, the playoffs. But regular overtime rules apply during the regular season, so, you know, blown holding call or not, they gave up the touchdown, so Seattle wins making me, as I said, 0-3 in the pick six thus far. We go down to Tennessee where the Titans coming off of a uh, loss to the the, uh, Saints uh, on the road were uh, coming home to take on the L.A. Chargers. Uh, The Chargers looking to bounce back after losing a uh, 36-34 shootout to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, the week before, Tannehill looking to improve upon his um, mistake-prone performance uh, against the Saints with three interceptions, and I think he even lost a fumble or two uh, in there as well. But uh, like I said, both of these 0-1 teams looking to avoid an 0-2 start. Uh, it's a very competitive uh, matchup. Uh, like I said, I made some good choices because I remember I mentioned in the preview episode that I might swap out some of these games in the uh, in the pick six if they don't hold up. Well, all six of these games held up. No reason to change any of them. 
the Chargers somehow managed 342 yards of offense while going 2 of 14 on third down in this game. It's just remarkable. You'd hate to see what they would have done had they been able to convert some of those third downs. Uh, 2 of 14, that's abysmal. Uh, the Titans went 6 of 13, which helped them win the time of possession battle and keep the ball out of the Chargers' offense's hands uh, in this one. Like I said, Tannehill avoided the turnovers this week after a three-interception performance against the Saints. He went 20 of 24, so extremely efficient. Uh, five of six, that's pretty damn good for a touchdown uh, passing and one receiving while surviving five sacks uh, from the Chargers. So no fumbles on the strip sack or or anything like that. Derrick Henry adding 80 yards on 25 carries uh, in this one. I believe he did score a touchdown. Yeah, he had one of those over-the-top touchdowns uh, as well. Uh, there were three lead changes in the fourth quarter. Um, Keenan Allen capped off a seven-yard 80-play seven-play 80-yard drive, I should say, to give the Chargers a lead 21 to 17. Uh, Tennessee scored again with 222 to go to go ahead 24 to 21 and the Chargers went 60 yards in 10 plays to set up a game tying Cameron Dicker field goal from 33 yards out to send it to overtime. Now, unlike the Detroit and Seattle game, the Chargers got the both teams got their hands on the ball. Unfortunately, the Chargers got it first and weren't able to do anything with it, so they had to punt it away. Tennessee on the other hand was able to put a good drive together, got themselves in field goal range. And after hitting five field goals in uh, New Orleans against the Saints, Nick Folk hits his second uh, of the day uh, on this one from 41 yards out to give the Titans the 27-24 to overtime win over the Chargers, making me 0-4 in the pick six. So he can't win for losing uh, on this one. So... You know the 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 it's it's a a big concern for the for the Chargers to be zero and two in the AFC. I mean, it's also a big concern for the Bengals to be zero and two as well. These are teams that uh, people are expecting things from. You know, playoff runs, maybe not. I mean, the Bengals higher expectations to win the division, possibly challenge for the AFC crown uh, once again, like they have the last two years. Uh, winning in 2021 and basically coming up like a play short uh, last season. But, um, you know, the Charger, the Bengals were able to overcome an 0-2 hole last year. I don't know if people have the same faith in the Chargers to be able to do that, especially with the division that they play in. In the AFC West, they got two games a year with the Chargers. Uh, you know, the Broncos always seem to steal a win from them every once in a while. Uh, the Raiders are out there as well, and, you know, they can be prickly at times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're in the AFC, and this is a, a conference. There's not a lot of room for error here. You know, this is a, a conference that, you know, 10-win teams can miss the playoffs uh, sometimes. So if you're not going out there and dominating and winning your division, you have to get your win totals up to uh, be able to be a wild card team to give your sh- give your have a chance at being in the tournament at the end of the season. And uh, with the Chargers being 0-2 and, um, you know, having a lot of issues uh, thus far, not being very good on defense, uh, being a big problem uh, thus far, 36 points last week to the Dolphins, 27 this week against the, uh, against the Titans. Yes, they had five sacks, 
but uh, didn't force any uh, any turnovers in this one. I don't think they did last week against the Dolphins uh, either. So, uh, you know, they're not creating opportunities for themselves. They didn't force any fumbles on Tennessee. No interceptions from Tannehill, who threw three against the Saints uh, last week. You know, this is a team that's, uh, you know, just just something seems to be missing for the Chargers because they're, they're scoring on offense. It's just they're not getting it done on defense, which is an indictment on their head coach, who was a defensive genius. That's how he got the job uh, with the Chargers. Uh, and everything. Uh, Kellen Moore seems to be getting the job done as the new OC in uh, in Los Angeles. 34 last week against the Dolphins. 24 in a losing effort this week against the uh, Titans. But in most weeks, 24 points is enough to win you just about every game uh, you play in the NFL, if you're lucky. So, um, you know, the offense doesn't seem to be the problem thus far, although they could be a bit more productive in the running game. But uh, they lost Austin Eckler for, quote, an indefinite amount of time with an ankle injury. And uh, if you're wondering why it is running backs, why NFL teams are reluctant to pay running backs, take a look at your injury report this week where you'll see a few of the guys that were holding out for more money on the injury report, like an Austin Eckler, like Saquon Barkley, who is out for two to three weeks with an ankle injury of his own, and uh, then tell me why it is that the uh, – try to convince me why NFL front offices are wrong taking the tack that they do with the running back position. So, I mean, I want these guys to get paid. I didn't uh, – you know, I absolutely think it's – they should get the money that they want. But, you know, facts and figures don't lie, man. And uh, it just says that once you get past a certain point – the you know the beating on the body starts to pile up and uh, you're out of the lineup almost as much as you're in it and uh, it's just not worth the financial risk to be paying a guy to be rehabbing all the time. So, yeah, it's an interesting uh, situation. But uh, you know, it basically look kind of looks like if if the 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 Chargers can figure it out on defense because they've given up 36 and 27 in the first two games and they lost them both. That if they can figure out it on defense, and they have all the talent in the world on defense, pass rushes, you know, they got Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, you know, J.C. Jackson in the, in the secondary. This is a good defense, or talented anyway, and they're just not getting it done right now. So Brandon Staley, because I believe he's calling his own defenses out there. Uh, they really need to get it together, or this thing's going to get away from them quick, fast, and in a hurry. So, uh, yeah, hopefully the uh, – Chargers can get it figured out so that, uh, you know, they can get this season uh, back on track. Going down to Jacksonville, Chiefs coming into town to take on the Jaguars. The Jags with a division win on the road last week against the Colts. The Chiefs famously on the kickoff game against the Lions, losing at home uh, to begin defense of their Super Bowl victory in 2022. And it was ugly in the beginning, uh, damn ugly. Lots of early, uh, lots of early mistakes. Uh, the Chiefs' first half looked like this: punt, punt, muffed punt, which technically isn't a possession, but that's what happened to the possession was that they forced the punt from Jacksonville and muffed the punt. Then Jacksonville converted it to a field goal. Um, so punt, punt, muffed punt. 
fumble, interception, before finally getting a touchdown at the end of the second quarter from with Mahomes to Sky Moore with 27 seconds to go uh, to make it, uh, I believe, it was 7-6 to six at halftime. 7-6, to 7-3. Yeah, 7-6 to six was the halftime score. So, you know, the Jags had the chance to capitalize on that muff punt um, by uh, Kansas City's Richie James. Uh, looked like he lost it in the sun because, like, at the last minute, it just, like, all of a sudden it hit him in the shoulder pads and it was on the floor for, for anyone. It was a live ball uh, for anyone to get their hands on. Um, but uh, on third down, ter- um, Trevor Lawrence hits Zay Jones in the back of the end zone, makes the catch, comes down with it, but did not come down in bounds. And that's where they had to settle for that uh, for the field goal instead of taking a 7 nothing lead early on uh, in the game. And, um, you know, like I said, the Chiefs, had to wait until their final possession. We had to wait until there was 20 second, 27 seconds left in the half after surviving three turnovers, uh, the muff punt, the fumble, and the interception to take a 7-6 lead uh, into the half. But they opened the second half with a touchdown drive where Mahomes hit the uh, returning Travis Kelsey uh, to make it 14-6 there in the third quarter. The Jags mostly struggled on offense, but they did put one more drive together, down by eight in the fourth, and while Calvin, Calvin Ridley did come down with the catch uh, on, uh, on the pass from uh, Trevor Lawrence on 4th and 12, again, did not come down with both feet in the end zone. And 4th and 12, that's an incomplete pass. The ball goes to Kansas City. The Chiefs did not give the ball back to hang on for a 17-9 win. This battle of uh, 2022 playoff teams it was actually a rematch of the divisional round uh, for these teams. So, uh, you know, like I said, it, it was a back and forth, mostly defensive uh, battle. Uh, the returning Chris Jones was uh, definitely showing he was worth the extra money he was holding out for. Uh, he had uh, one and a half sacks uh, in this one, but was far more disruptive uh, than that. He I saw him miss out on at least two sacks. Uh, or so as the Chiefs uh, sacked Lawrence four times uh, in this one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did not turn the ball over, didn't throw an interception like he did uh, last week. Uh, No uh, fumble, strip sack uh, like he had last week against the uh, Colts as well. Was uh, 22 of 41 for 216 yards, but no touchdowns because they only had to settle for three field goals uh, in this one. It just seems like the Chiefs' defense was up to the task. Uh, They only gave up... uh, about by my count, about 230 yards. Let me jump over to the page. Uh, looks like 271 total uh, for the uh, for the Jaguars. Uh, the Jags three of 12 on third down. The Chiefs not much better, four of 13. So, like I said, mostly a defensive battle. When you get a 17 to nine final score, there's not a whole lot of offense taking place there. But every offensive stat, the Chiefs seem to win it. 298 yards passing, 101 yards rushing. To only 197 for Jacksonville and 74 for Jacksonville as well. Um, 12 penalties on the Chiefs. So there's the other thing that the Chiefs just kept shooting themselves in the foot because the Jags, two penalties for 10 yards uh, in this one. 12 penalties for 94 yards and three turnovers. That's what uh, kept this thing as close uh, as it was. So, uh, But the, the Chiefs have the remedy coming into town Next weekend to fix all of that, 
You know, the, the they'll get the offense running. The defense will, uh, you know, pitch a shutout because my Bears are coming to town next week. And if you ever have anything bugging you, you play the Bears the next week, everything will get fixed. Because uh, my guest on, on the show for uh, the Bears-Buccaneers uh, preview was talking about how much trouble the Buccaneers had running the football uh, the first week of the season against the Vikings. Well, they ran the ball pretty goddamn well against the Bears yesterday. So come on in, bring in the Bears. We'll fix what's ailing you. No ifs, ands, or buts. But uh, the Chiefs coming away with the win over the Jaguars, getting themselves back on track at 1-1. One and one. And in their division, that puts them in first place because um, the Raiders lost. That was, the, that was literally the only team that won a game in their division last week. And now they're even with the, at the very worst, they're even with the Raiders uh, at 1-1 one and one as uh, both the Chargers and the Broncos lost their games to go to 0-2. So the AFC West not exactly off to a hot start uh, right now. And uh, the Jaguars, after a big division win last week over the Colts, fall to 1-1. One and one. Closing things out in SoFi Stadium, we got the Rams and the 49ers. And stop me if you've heard this, but in the beginning, in the first half, it was a back-and-forth affair. Yeah, say it with me now. You know, in a running theme for the week, the first half was a blow-by-blow, you know, back-and-forth affair. First, the teams were tied at 10. Uh, it was like San Francisco went up. They scored the touchdown. Uh, the Rams scored a field goal, then the 49ers scored a field goal, the Rams scored a touchdown. Um, you know, and, and then they both scored touchdowns at the end of the second quarter to make it 17 to 17 uh, at the break. So uh, you know, going back and forth uh, with it uh, at the end of the second quarter, uh, first it was the Rams taking the lead with a Kyron Williams run from four yards out, and then Brock Party took it in in himself as the clock was expiring, you know, so gutsy move uh, from Shanahan to go for it at the goal line and gutsy move from Purdy to keep it himself and dive over the top for the touchdown to even it up at 17 in the first half. But much like the Rams game against the Seahawks last week, the second half is where the game was won, you know, where it was last week, it was them coming out and blowing the Seahawks out of the water, shutting them out 23 to nothing this week it was the 49ers that came out, uh, and while they only had a f- uh, field goal lead in the third after the third quarter, thanks to a uh, 57-yard field goal from the rookie kicker Jake Moody, uh, the fourth quarter is where the game was won for the uh, 49ers as they added two uh, scores, a Debo Samuel touchdown from 11 yards out, and then another Moody field goal to make it 30 to 20 with about three minutes to go in the game. And then in an odd moment, uh, the Rams got the ball with three minutes to go. They're down by 10, so, you know, odds are against them, but they've still got the opportunity. It, it, it can happen. It's happened before. Uh, they drive the ball down, and then as time is expiring, I know the game is over because they're still down 10, but, and there's three seconds left to go in the game. They kick a field goal. So I don't know if they were just trying to – to screw Vegas on that one. And, uh, you know, because I, I heard the 49ers were seven-and-a-half-point favorites, so now the seven, now the 49ers don't cover because of the field goal. But I don't see the point in kicking the field goal if the game was over. 
I really don't because it's not like the NFL has a points tiebreaker type of thing. It's, it's like it was just a real curious move that if you're going to try to score, why not try to take a shot at the end zone? What difference does it make at this point? You're down two scores with uh, the amount of time left that's impossible to do it in, and you take you take the points instead of trying to score like trying to score a touchdown. It was just it was a real weird move uh, to kind of end the game. Left a lot of people's heads, you know, scratching their heads uh, on that one. But um, you know, it was the Forty ers come away with the win, second week in a row. They score thirty points and. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey has been a beast for the 49ers so far. He had 150 yards uh, rushing against the Steelers last week, backed it up with 116 on 20 carries to so nearly six yards a carry this week against the Niners. Debo Samuel and Rock, Brock Purdy, as I said, adding touchdown runs uh, of their own as well. Uh, Samuel adding 38 yards on the ground, 63 in the in, – uh, excuse me, in receptions. Stafford, another decent week throwing the ball, but instead of being the mistake-free guy that he was last week, two interceptions in the second half is really what won the game for the 49ers. It killed promising drives, and the 49ers turned both of those drives into into points. Granted, they were both field goals, but those were points that uh, you know put the distance between the Niners and the Rams there uh, towards the end. And, um, you know... He still threw for 307 and a touchdown, but it was like those two interceptions, that's what killed the Rams uh, in this one, where they were virtually perfect last week against the, uh, against the uh, Seahawks. Those mistakes is what buried them. And while the Rams seem to be a better team than a lot of people thought they were going to be, uh, they do appear to be a team that uh, has to play mistake-free ball because that's how they were able to get past the Seahawks on the road last week. But even at, at home, even though the 49ers have their number in SoFi, it was those mistakes that killed them uh, this week. So uh, one thing, though, if uh, if you didn't know who Puka Nakua was coming into the season, uh, you should know who he is now because he is Matt Stafford's favorite wide receiver. 15 catches on 20 targets for 147 yards. Uh, in this ball game, and his uh, he had over a hundred yards receiving last week against the Seahawks. Tutu Atwell, who had over a hundred yards against the Seahawks last week, only seventy-seven yards on seven catches, nine targets for him uh, as well. So, you know this this kind of no-name wide receiving core is uh, getting the job done uh, for them uh, right now because uh, Matt Stafford's numbers are are looking pretty good, aside from those two ugly interceptions he threw. Uh, in the uh, in the second half, and uh, that ended up being the difference uh, in the game because they only got one sack uh, on Stafford in this one. So it's not like they were just constantly beating up on him the way that the Forty ers did to Kenny Pickett uh, last week. It really was those interceptions that ended up being the death knell for the Rams. The good news is, though, I picked the Forty ers so I got that one right, and couple that with my Chiefs pick is how I finished two and four for this week's pick six. So there you have it, guys. That is going to do it for the, the week two review of the fourth phase. Come back on Thursday when we will preview week three to talk about uh, the many matchups that are coming up 
this Sunday will be kicking things off. The Thursday night matchup for this week is, um, let me see. Let me remind myself here. Pull it up real quick. The Giants in the, so we talk about the 49ers again as uh, they finally get to go home and they'll be hosting the Giants on short rest. The Giants who will be without at least, uh, or will be without Saquon Barkley for at least the next two to three weeks, according to the injury report that came out uh, today. So uh, the Giants, uh, as you heard me talk about in the in the All Out Blitz, needed a miracle, uh, or at least uh, somebody thought they needed an exorcist because that team was possessed. Uh, ended up scoring thirty one points in the second half against the Cardinals to come away with a win after going into the half twenty to nothing. So in the first six quarters of football for the Giants, they lost. 60 to nothing. So but they, they came back and reality set in as the Cardinals are completing their tank uh, and everything. They, they show themselves to be a scrappy team that's going to be a tough out for some people, uh, maybe even the Bears later on this year. But uh, in the end, it all goes the way that it should. And uh, they've got to go to San Francisco to take on the 49ers on the short rest. So We'll see what other what are the games I dig up, what our pick six will be for uh, week number three, some interesting matchups uh, that I'm seeing as I kind of scroll through the uh, schedule here. We've got the Falcons and the Lions, uh, 2-0 Falcons and the 1-1 one one Lions who got, uh, who got beat in overtime. Uh, maybe we'll do Packers-Saints, I'm not sure. Chargers-Vikings, that's interesting. Uh, Panthers, Seahawks, Chiefs. I'm not talking about the Chiefs or Bears. I don't really expect much of anything in that one. I would that would just be me being biased and talking about how hopefully my team can figure it out. But you got Rams, Bengals on Monday night uh, next week. You got a, two uh, two and O teams, and then uh, against the Eagles and the Bucks. We got two Monday night games again next week. Eagles and Bucks, Rams and Bengals. Interesting matchups there. Uh, see if the Bengals can figure it out and win a game at home. So, anyway, come back on Thursday. Find out what the pick six is. We'll give you the all-out blitz. Get you ready for week number three. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase. See you next time.